Welcome to the Love First Podcast, where we are committed to biblical teaching and sharing the principles and the promises of living out our faith according to what Jesus says are the two greatest commandments, loving God with our whole being and loving others as ourselves. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to help build your faith and deepen your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. You know, when my son was younger, he used to love to dress up like superheroes. He had every costume in the book. From DC characters like Batman, Superman, and Green Arrow to the Marvel heroes of Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, and Spider-Man. He wore them all the time. He would dream and pretend like he was one of Earth's mightiest heroes. And in his eyes, he was. But you know, I could relate. When I was a kid, I didn't have all those great costumes, but I did have a towel that we would safety pin around my neck to become a cape. I even remember when, when I was maybe four years old and we lived in a house that had a flat roof with a room upstairs that you got to only from the outside. And I would never forget my dad making sure that I understood that just because I had a cape on doesn't mean that I could fly. So don't jump off the roof. Well, I outgrew my pretend days of being a superhero. But like so many of you, I never outgrew my desire to make a difference. I never wanted to be someone who did not make a difference in people's lives. In fact, years ago, someone asked me how long I planned to coach basketball. Without even thinking about it, I answered, I will stop coaching when I feel like I'm no longer making a difference in people's lives. And that is when I did finally retire from coaching. When I was no longer in a position where I was allowed to really make a difference. My bosses required me to just coach basketball. Not character. Not life lessons. Just the fundamentals of the game. So after a few years of doing that, trying to make a difference in a place where no one really wanted me to make a difference, I decided it was time to hang up the whistle. But my desire to make a difference in people's lives, uh, it hadn't changed. Just my platform has changed. That is part of why Love First was started. To make a difference. Now, some of you, I'm sure, have that desire to be a difference maker. You know that you are not finding that fulfillment in life if you aren't doing something that makes a difference. It might be that you are in a career that naturally lends itself to making a difference. I mean, no one can say that Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, did not make a difference in the world that he lived in. Physicians make difference in people's lives every single day. So do teachers. Well, at least in theory, we teachers do. I actually heard of an administrator not too long ago telling a teacher friend of mine that Teachers were not there to worry about the emotional feelings of the students. They were to focus on teaching them the stuff they need to get an education. Well, I think, I bet, I just heard a gasp echo from across the world from people that are hearing this right now. Uh, not to worry. That is not really the view of most educators. And the truth be told, if push comes to shove, 
I don't think that administrator even believed what she had said. But still, that kind of does show that even teachers are not making the difference that we once did. And yet every teacher out there wants to make a difference. But you know, teachers aren't the only one. We're all called to make a difference. And that is what I'm going to be talking about for the next three weeks. I'm not going to focus on making a difference in our career field, although some of you are going to discover that no matter what career choice you are in, you really still can make a difference. But we are going to focus on how we can make a difference in our work, in our family, in our church, in our community, and yes, even for some of you in the world. Now, I know some of you, if not most of you, are saying to yourselves right now that that you cannot possibly make a true difference in any of those areas. Steve, um, I'm not gifted like some people are. I don't have the background, the expertise, or even the personality to make a real difference. Or perhaps you can mainly see the baggage in your life and you see mainly the negatives that you believe will keep you from making a difference, that's okay to feel that way today. I mean, it's only natural. Some of us really do have a lot of negatives and a lot of baggage in our lives that would naturally keep us from making a real difference. So it's okay to feel that way today, but it's not okay to feel that way tomorrow. You see, God wants each one of us no matter what our age and stage in life is, no matter what our background is, no matter what our personality is, no matter what kind of baggage we have, uh, that he wants us all to learn to be difference makers. He doesn't want us just to exist, to live, just to walk through life. So with that thought in mind, let's turn our attention to the book of Judges, chapter 6. And let's begin our study of how Gideon went from being a zero to a hero. So much so that nothing that this man, this nothing of a man, he's recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the great heroes of the faith. Now, I know that for many of you, this is a familiar story. But for those of you who aren't so familiar with it, Let me set the backdrop of of what was going on in Israel at the time. Let's begin with verse 1 of Judges chapter chapter 6. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, Marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying the crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. Verse 6, so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. (sighs) You know, quite often when we turn our back on God, 
he lets our enemies overtake us? Not to punish us or to humiliate us, but to bring us back to the point where, where God can use us again. Quite simply, we cannot be difference makers if we have turned away from God. Oh, I, I know that we know that in our heads and we are quick to point fingers at others and talk about how God can't use them because of such and such a sin that they have in their lives. We are so quick to write them off, uh, depending on what their sin is, uh, we basically will condemn them. You know, some of you may have even uh, experienced that personally in your life, where you have sinned and, and perhaps even lived a life of sin, and as a result, other Christians have blackballed you from being able to be truly used by God and to make a positive difference in your world. But we see here that God sends the Midianites and all the bad that came with it to Israel so that they would repent. And we see in verse 6 that they did cry out to God for help. They had had enough of the miserable life that they were in. Now, when we get to the point where we've had enough of the way things are going for us, then, then when we're tired of just existing in this helpless state of living, when, when we get to the point where we finally cry out to God, then let me assure you that it won't matter that others have given up on you because God does answer and God does restore and God does make a difference. And mark my words, no, rather mark God's words. He will not only deliver you, but he will start to use you to make a difference as well. You see, God did that with Gideon, and he has done it with many other people, maybe even some of you. So let's continue with the story down in verse 11. This is when we meet Gideon. You know, nowadays when we hear the name Gideon, we, we usually associate it with strength and, and valor. I don't know, maybe because it kind of sounds like the word guardian. Or maybe it's because we know the story of how this man, Gideon, almost single-handedly ran the Midianites off. But we're going to see that that Gideon wasn't always this strong leader. Let's read verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah. Uh, I guess this goes to show that God really can and does use everyone, even Oprah. Uh, sorry, if you have no idea what I'm referencing there, um, don't worry about it. I just digress. Let's continue. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. All right, let's stop a minute. There is something wrong with this picture. It's easy to, to glance right over it and, and not really see what was happening here. So let's stop and examine it. What was Gideon doing? He was threshing wheat. Now, how many of you know how they threshed wheat back then? Well, see, they basically threw the wheat up in the air and, and the wind would then blow all the chaff away and only the good wheat would fall back down. This way, all they had left was the good stuff and none of the bad. So, you know, for those of us who are followers of Christ, this is something God is doing with us all the time. 
He is constantly sending the winds of life to blow over us and to blow the bad away and, and leave only the good. Those things in our lives that he can use to make a difference. But here's the catch. Sometimes the wind of life doesn't blow the shaft away and it falls back down, all mixed in with the good stuff, thereby essentially making it worthless wheat. You see, that's where Gideon was. In order for the wind to blow the shaft away, you need to be in a place where the wind can actually blow. And Gideon wasn't there. He was deep down underground in a wine press, hiding from the Midianites. It didn't matter how many times he threw the wheat into the air, the shaft was never going to blow away. Well, aren't we so often like that? We put ourselves in positions that God cannot use us because he cannot blow the shaft out of our lives. We have buried ourselves like Gideon did underground and, and even though we want to thresh the wheat, for whatever reason we keep ourselves buried so that all the work we do, tossing the wheat in our lives up and over and over and over again, but we find ourselves growing tired and frustrated because nothing good ever comes out of it. And that's where Gideon was trying to do God's work while in hiding. Put simply, you cannot be a true difference maker if you live your life in hiding. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be that outgoing, charismatic type person who loves to be in front of people to be a true difference maker. But I am saying that you can't shy away from people if you're going to make a difference in people's lives. You have to be involved in, in some capacity with people to make a difference. So I want to talk just to a few minutes of those who, who are introverts out there. You know who you are because you are already feeling uncomfortable because you don't like being singled out and you might even be afraid that I'm about to tell you that you have to do something outside of your comfort zone. And for some of you, if I were to ask you to come and stand and, and speak in front of people, your own fear would all but paralyze you. Relax. I have goodness for you. In most of your cases, God created you with that introvert personality. And uh, no one said you had to stand before hundreds or thousands of people to make a difference. But I am saying that you cannot stay in hiding. Which is where Gideon was. He was in hiding because he was afraid. He was afraid of being seen by the Midianites. Just like many of you are afraid to take that next step that you need to make in order to start truly becoming a difference maker. You may be afraid to step up and, and take on a ministry opportunity. You may be afraid to lead a small group or to do anything where you have to speak in front of people. You may even be afraid to open up and talk to someone that you know God wants you to because you're afraid. But here's the good news that will hopefully set you free just a little bit. Not only is it okay to be afraid, I think that it's essential to have a degree of fear when stepping out to make a difference in the world. Gideon was plenty afraid. He did not want to take on the enemy. And neither do most of us. We would rather live in our comfort zone than, than step out of it. The wine press was comfortable for Gideon. He was safe. But he wasn't accomplishing anything. He wasn't making a difference. But despite his fear, and, and I might even say because of his fear, 
God was ready to get him out of the wine press, above the ground, and make a difference for his people. So if, if you are one of those majority of people who like your comfort zone and fear stepping out of it, then you are a prime candidate to be a difference maker because God uses people all the time who are afraid. In fact, he specializes in it. Hey, I'm counting on that. A few months ago, a very good friend of mine prayed for me and challenged me to step out of my comfort zone so that God could take me places that I never dreamed possible. I listened and I am still listening and I did. And God started blessing and God's giving me a new joy that I haven't had in a long time. The really great thing though is that God sees us for what we can be, not what we think we are. Oh, wait a minute. I think that might have just gone right over some of you. So let me say that again. God sees us for what we can be, not for what we think we are. Oh, we've been told all our lives what we are. I mean, literally by others telling us either overtly or perhaps subtly that, that we don't measure up. Or it might be that all condemning voice inside our head that tells us that, that we're not good enough. That one who constantly reminds us of all of our faults and past sins. As a result, we label ourselves and or we let others label us that we simply cannot be that true difference maker. But our labels and the labels others put on us should never, they should never limit us. Because God sees us for what we can be, not for what we think we are. Let's look at verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. You hear that? Mighty hero. Now, I don't know about you, but the thought of me being called a mighty hero, well, well, that's exciting. Remember when I said earlier that I grew up pretending to be a superhero? Oh, if only I had at least some of the superpowers, I would have been able to make a big difference. Instead, I was just a mild man or nobody. I wasn't making a difference. Or was I? Okay, I'm almost embarrassed to share this with you, but in some ways, when I was in elementary school, I may have been more of a mighty hero then than I have been at any other point in my life. Get this. As a third, fourth, and fifth grader, I constantly shared my faith with my friends at school. I remember sitting out in the playground during recess time and playing in the dirt with my friends, all the while telling them about Christ. As a fifth grader, I would boldly carry my Bible to school with me every day. Everyone knew where I stood, and, and believe it or not, no one said anything negative to me about it. No one made fun of me. No one bullied me because of my faith. In fact, I think most people respected me for it. Most people, that is, but one. You see, there was this one teacher. I don't even remember his name. But he told me one day that it was against the law for me to carry my Bible to school. Now, in reality, he was wrong. It was not illegal for me to do that. 
But in my naivety, I believed him. And the next day, I left my Bible at home. Ah, but not to worry. That was not the end of my brief period of life being a mighty hero. As I got to school that next day, I went immediately to the school library, and I found a copy of the Bible, and I checked it out. So later that day, when this teacher approached me, quite upset this time, that I still had a Bible in my possession, I confidently, but respectfully, opened the cover of the Bible to show him the school stamp and the library card in it. He walked away and never gave me any more trouble. <sighs> However, as my elementary years ended and I went into middle school, I have to admit I hung up my mighty hero cape. I cannot remember all the reasons why I stopped sharing my faith with my friends. Part of it might have been because I was now in middle school and I felt more the need to fit in which in reality I fit in more when I was that mighty hero in elementary school than I did when I was in high school. Now in middle school, though I wasn't doing anything really bad, I was not outwardly sharing my faith and, and speaking in the name of Christ, and I then became what we now call a JAG, which stands for just a guy. I was just there. Yes, I was a jock and a starter on both the football and the basketball team, and I anchored the mile relay team in track, but I was just a guy. You see, I was where Gideon was. For all practical purposes, I hid my faith. Oh, I would never deny Christ, and if anyone were to ask me, I would say that I was a Christian, uh, which I did, but truthfully, about the only stance I would make as a Christian would be each time they had a school dance, if someone asked me why I wasn't going, I would respond, it's against my religion. Well, let me tell you how well that statement went over. Here I was, a, a former hero in hiding. And I offered nothing to my world. I was no longer making a difference. I was Gideon. But instead of hiding in a wine press, I was hiding behind athletics. And I was miserable. Well, let's continue in verse 13. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Oh, I love this last verse we just read. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. You see, I love this verse because it tells us that we don't have to have all the answers. We don't even have to see the whole picture of what God is doing. We don't have to have the abilities or the personality that we think we probably should have in order to make a difference. All we have to do is go with the strength that we already have. You see, even if we don't feel it or, or see it, God has already given us the strength that we need to make a difference. Why? Because God is sending us. And God does not fail because he has no weakness. When God sends us, he equips us. 
We don't need more strength and we don't need more courage. We have right now inside of us enough strength and enough wherewithal to make a difference. In Christ, we have enough strength to make a difference in our family. We have enough to make a difference in our church. We have enough to make a difference in our community. And we have enough to make a difference in our world. The problem is we don't think we have enough. And that's where I was for way too long. Back here in middle school, my hero days were behind me. And now I'm not just talking about my days in, in elementary, but my days in ministry. I believed at one point, a few years back, that I was totally washed up and that God would never use me again. And as much as I truly believed that there was this part deep inside of me that, that I, and I think it was the Holy Spirit, that still longed to be a difference maker, but I believed I no longer could. So I sat in my seat and I continued to let life pass me by. And that is the problem with so many Christians today. We aren't ready to get off of our seats and make a difference because we are waiting for that perfect opportunity or we are waiting for someone to give us the go ahead or maybe we're just waiting for the proper motivation or, or, or more strength. We, we worry about what we are going to do to make a difference. Do we have all our ducks in a row? Do we have all of our plans laid out? Well, Gideon didn't have any of these things. All he had was the call of God and the assurance that he already had the strength to get started. Now, all he had to do was start. All he had to do was ask God what was next and follow his lead. But like so many of us, Gideon started making excuses as to why he could not be that difference maker. Look at verse 15. But, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So you see, God, you have the wrong person. Don't you know who I am? I don't come from that prominent family. In fact, God, my family history is not so good. And don't you know the things that I have done or all the times that I have failed? God, no one's going to follow me. I can't make a difference. Verse 16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. Now I want to pause here and, and try to make a clear distinction. I know we've all heard countless times about the importance of humility, but let me just point out here that Gideon was not acting in humility when he made his case to God as to how small and unworthy he was. That was not being humble. Gideon was simply making excuses. In fact, I would be willing to say that Gideon, in trying to act so humble, was actually sinning. Yeah, you heard me correctly. In pointing out how unworthy he was, Gideon was sinning because he was doing nothing short of calling God a liar. Remember, God has already called him a mighty hero. Yet Gideon was still refusing to see himself through God's eyes. He was in denial of what God had said to him. And sometimes I think we do the same thing. 
in our attempts to be humble, we refuse to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Now, now those of us who are followers of Christ should not view ourselves as, as wretched sinners who have nothing to offer God. If we live with that mindset, then I can promise you that you will view yourself as a loser who cannot make a true difference. And as a result, others will see you as a loser and therefore you will be not be making a difference. You cannot possibly make a true difference in anyone's life if you portray an I'm no good and I'm not worthy attitude. Chances are then that eventually anyway, others will agree with you. Now I realized this a few months back. I didn't even realize for a time that I was starting to display the attitude that I didn't believe in myself. I had started talking to a good friend of mine about my buried desire to get back into ministry, but my friend sensed inside of me that I didn't feel like I could do it, that I didn't measure up. Now, I, I talked some about that in, in a past podcast, the road, the garden, the house, and the room. The time I talked about it in that podcast totally changed my relationship with God and my entire outlook on life. Instead of thinking of myself as not measuring up enough to make a difference, I started to realize that, as I said in that one, I'm, I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I am a saint of God, a royal priesthood, a child of the Most High God, heirs to the glory that is in Christ. In other words, I'm a mighty hero. And that is who we are. With that thought still fresh in our mind, let's look at what, get, what God promised to Gideon. I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Oh, when I take into consideration what this verse can personally mean to each one of us, I can't help but get excited. Not only will God be with us, but he will be with us in such a way that any obstacle that might stand in our way of making a difference will appear small next to the magnitude of an almighty God. Now, if that doesn't excite you, then I don't know what will. As we step out in faith, ready to make a difference in our family, our church, our community, and, and our world, uh, the knowledge that God is with us is to the degree that any obstacle that comes in our way is going to be relatively small next to the glory and the power of God. That should be all we need to do to start to make a difference. Now, I know many of you are saying to yourself, Steve, this is all sounds so good, and, and I believe what you are saying. In theory, there is nothing stopping me from making a difference. But truthfully, Steve, it's not that easy. Circumstances don't call for it to be that easy. I mean, we are all still dealing with people and, and that alone makes everything unpredictable. And you know, I can't disagree with you. You're right. That's not all there is to it. I know many people talk about growing up in church and hearing the Bible taught and the importance of living the Christian life, yet much of the time they leave the church service asking one question, how? How do I actually do that? I mean, it's one thing to hear something that makes sense on a Sunday, but what does it mean on Monday? Where does it take us on Tuesday? 
We wonder about Wednesday. How does it take us through Thursday? How do we feel on Friday? What's our situation still on Saturday? It's one thing to hear what I'm saying today, but if it doesn't change what you are doing, how you are feeling, your true relationship with God, or your true relationship with others, and yes, even your true relationship with yourself, then it really doesn't matter. If we aren't going to start making a difference in our family tonight, or in our workplace or school tomorrow, then what good is it to really even listen? What good would it have done Gideon if all that happened was God called him a mighty hero? If he listened and believed, he might have felt better about himself. But are we going to be a hero just because for a few minutes we feel like a hero? Are we going to make a difference in our family, our church, our community, or our world just because we got an emotional feeling that excites us to do it? Would I be on my way to making a difference if all I did was believe what my friend was said, who reassured me on several occasions about the gifts and callings that God has on my life, would I be making a difference if I just believed her but never acted on it? Just acknowledging it wasn't enough for Gideon. So let's look back at the text we're going through today, Judges chapter 6, and start in verse 17. Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that this is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I came back, come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. So Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff on his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Before the fearful, hiding, timid Gideon would become the difference-making, mighty hero, he offered a sacrifice to God. He followed every instruction that the angel of the Lord told him to, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. If we are going to make a difference, if we are going to be that mighty hero that God knows that we can be, then we too must learn to sacrifice our lives to God. Of course, that first sacrifice happens when we leave behind our old lives to follow Christ. When we place our faith in Christ as the payment for our sins. Until we take that first step of salvation, then we can never be that mighty hero and we can never make a difference. You know, the great thing about fully realizing the position that we have in Christ after our, after our salvation is that we are not only destined for heaven, but we have access to God's peace here on earth in our own lives. We don't have to be worried about politics and the direction our country is heading. We don't have to be worried about our economic well-being. We don't have to even worry about what others think of us. When we fully realize that faith in Christ doesn't just mean free from hell, but it also means free from fear, then there is peace. Verse 22. 
When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord and there named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of clan of Ebizer to this day. See, when we rest in our salvation, God gives us peace. But salvation and peace is not all that it takes to become that mighty warrior that makes a difference. Most everyone listening to this, you're probably already a follower of Christ. And I believe that a lot of you are experiencing God's peace in your life. Some of you might be experiencing that peace manifesting itself in the fact that you are beginning to catch a vision of how God might want you to make a difference in your home, your church, your community, or even the world. You really do have that peace right now. You look at the life of Gideon, you listen to this message, and, and God has started prompting your heart with his peace that you too can do this. If God can use Gideon despite all of his flaws, then maybe he really can use me. But is that peace enough? I think we all can say no. Many of us can probably attest to times in our life that we felt that peace, but then really nothing happened. We didn't make a difference. We weren't that mighty hero. And that is because we stopped short. To make a difference, we must get rid of everything that replaces God in our lives. Let's pick up again in verse 25. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Ashborough pole that you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. So you see, before he could become the mighty hero and difference maker that we're going to look at next time, Gideon had to get rid of the idols to Baal. And before we can make a difference, we need to get rid of those things in our lives that keep us from fully following after what God wants us to do. Those things that keep us from making a difference, that keep us from being a mighty hero for God. Now, I can't possibly tell you what those things in your life might be. It will be different for every person. It might be people you tend to hang around with, or, or it might be hobbies that draw too much time away from making a difference. For some, it might even be the security of your bank account, and for others, it might be that special thing you own. Or maybe it's something less tangible and he's asking you to get rid of your personal me time because that is what's going to hinder you from becoming a mighty hero, from becoming that person who makes a difference. Now, I've mentioned a few times that we all can be that difference maker in our family, our church, our community, and, and even our world. And I know many of you have figuratively perhaps seen a light bulb come, come on inside your mind as to what that might mean to you. Praise God that he has done that for you today. Now, others of you, however, are still sitting there asking either now what or maybe even so what? Well, 
I'd be amiss if I didn't try to help you answer those questions before we close. This is part of the message that, that I like to make it personal. So in these final few moments, let me ask you to prayerfully consider and, and even answer some of the things we've talked about. Are you struggling seeing yourself as, a, as someone who can make a difference in the world and the people within your circle of influence? Can I be real honest here? I struggle with that too. I always have. I am way too small of a fish in a huge ocean to ever make a difference. I don't have the platform. I don't have enough friends. I don't have the social media following it takes. You name it, I've said it. Besides, I have simply just blown it way too many times. God can't really use me now. And I think many of you are feeling something similar. You've blown it too many times in your home life. You don't like to stand up in front of people at church and you don't feel like you have enough Bible knowledge to lead a Bible study or even teach children. You don't even have any special skills that you could offer to the church to help the church make a difference in the community or the world. The problem is that we are reading the book of our life from the wrong perspective. You see, I'm an English teacher. And as an English teacher, I teach novel reading. And there are three different types of perspectives that, that we might read. There's the first person point of view. That's, that's when we read the story from the perspective of the character. Now see, the problem is that when we read the story from a first person point of view, we only see things from the main character's point of view. Some of you know what I mean. You listen to your voice inside of you telling you what you can and you can't do. And then such a thing is called the second person point of view. This is the point of view that's told to you by others. They don't know you, but they tell you all about you. You do this, you are that. As much as we might not want to admit it, I think many of us listen to other people. They tell us what we are and what we aren't. They let us know that we are a disappointment or even a failure. And we buy into it. But perhaps we should read our life from the third person perspective. And you know what is great? Many fiction novels are written from what they call the omniscient third person point of view. Now, how many of us would rather see our life perspective from a third person omniscient point of view? An all knowing perspective, not a limited one. Well, you know, we can. That is the way that God sees us. He does not see us for what we think we are or what others think we are. He sees us from the overarching big picture. He sees us for our potential. He sees us for who we are in Christ, nothing less. He does not define us by our past, but instead defines us by Christ who is inside of us. Christ in me, the scriptures call it. So perhaps now it's time to decide which point of view you're going to see yourself in. May I suggest you listen to what God says about you, not what you say about yourself or, or even what others say about you. Well, what about your background, your experiences and strengths? Are you apt to use any of those excuses as to why you cannot make a difference? Oh, I know I have. One of the excuses I've often used is that every time I've tried to make a difference, I've actually never really made a real difference at all. Is that you too? Do you use your lack of experience, knowledge, or even personality as a reason 
to not become that mighty hero? Do you see and use your failures as an excuse? If that is you, please remember that God has already given you all the strength and the abilities that, that you need to make a difference. We don't need everything we think we need to become that mighty hero. We just need what God gives us. See, remember when I told you about my time in elementary school when I shared my faith with my classmates? Somehow along the way, I figured out that it was all a waste of time. I mean, elementary age kids can't lead elementary age kids to the Lord. Oh, sure, they could maybe talk someone into saying a prayer or, or what the prayer really, was that prayer really a prayer for salvation? Who was I, especially at that age, at that age to be able to lead anyone to the Lord? But you know, the crazy thing is that over 25 years after I left elementary school, I got a handwritten letter from a man in prison. He had Googled my name and found out the address of the church where I was on staff at the time. I remembered him. He was one of those boys that I sat on the ground drawing pictures in the dirt with, all the while telling him how to become a Christian. Well, he moved away after that fifth grade year and I never saw him again. I didn't know what kind of life he would grow up to have, a life that would, he eventually, he grew up to eventually have a life that would lead him into a 30 year imprisonment. I don't know what he did. He didn't tell me. Other than the fact that he had made some terrible choices in his life and had done some terrible things. But the main point of his letter was to thank me because when we were in fifth grade, I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And 25 years later, while sitting in a prison cell, he remembered those conversations we had in elementary school. And right there in his prison cell, he knelt to receive Christ as his Savior. And to think that I believed the lies that I had not done anything of eternal value, to think that I believed that I did not have enough strength or knowledge or experience or, or even the right personality to truly lead people to the Lord. It's time to stop believing lies that, that you've told yourself or others have told you and start listening to the truth that God is telling you. He has designed you to be a difference maker in your world. The only thing that is stopping you from doing it is you. So come back next week for the second part of this How to Be a Difference Maker series where we're going to learn how to get rid of the fear that so often keeps us from moving onward. You won't want to miss that. Until then, may God surround you with his love and fill you with his grace so that you will learn to manifest love first in your life. Hi, this is Steve Bittison. If you enjoyed this podcast or if God blessed you or taught you anything in it, I hope that you will subscribe to the Love First podcast and share it with your friends. That way you won't miss any of the upcoming teachings and messages and maybe you will help be a blessing to someone else.